right now we are continuing in our series, Every Group, and we want to emphasize we more than just me. It's not a time to be completely isolated and turn off all relationships. Together, authentic love, maybe it's the thing that we need most of all right now. And uh, let's dive into God's word and let's continue to seek God with all of our hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that during this time, Lord, you are our refuge strength. You're an ever-present help in trouble. God, we pray for people right now who are scared that you would take away their fears. God, we pray for people who feel hopeless. God, that you would remind them that you have a good plan and you're reliable. And God, we pray for people who are so discouraged and maybe financial loss. God, we pray for creativity. We pray for provision. Lord, we pray that we would walk through this together with you, full of life, full of hope, and making the most of our opportunities. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Some of Jesus' greatest work happened in conversations. And they were conversations where sometimes he was attacked. They were peppering him with questions. They wanted to trap him. But Jesus' response revealed his wisdom. And we're going to look at some intriguing interactions and the context here as we're going to tackle this phrase, the Good Samaritan. That's a phrase that we hear in our culture. Different people are familiar with the story in the Bible. But what a lot of people miss is the buildup with the story. The context is so important. And then also with authentic love, we're going to look at three expressions of authentic love, who Jesus is, and who we're called to be, especially during times like this. We're going to start in Matthew 22, and again, this is the context for the Good Samaritan. In verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? First, the Sadducees wanted to trap Jesus. They were one of the major religious groups at the time. They did not believe that there was a resurrection. So their stumping question was tied to the resurrection. And they had this scenario that they made up where there's a woman married to a man. This man has seven brothers. Now the man dies and the woman marries the next brother, as was the tradition then. And in fact, the second brother died and then the third brother died and the fourth brother died. She married every man until finally the seventh brother dies, then she dies. And the question to Jesus is, who is she married to in heaven? And they're celebrating because they think they've just completely perplexed the Savior. But Jesus responds, he says, you actually don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. Now there's some people who know the scripture, but they don't know the power of God. And there's some people who know the power of God and they don't know the scripture. And then of course, there's an option to know neither like the Sadducees right here. But for us, we want to know the power of God and we want to know the scripture. And Jesus points out there is no marriage in heaven We're going to have resurrected bodies. So there's no marriage like that. But here's the main piece. God says, I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And there is a resurrection. The scripture points it out. And the Sadducees are silenced. And after they're silenced, the Pharisees say, now our turn. And one steps up, who's kind of the Goliath of the intellect, all right? He's the academic one. He knows the scripture so well, and he's got a question to stump Jesus. He says, what is the greatest commandment? That was a topic of hot debate back then. There was a lot of different opinions, and some people tied it to the sacrifices. Some people pointed to different books in the Bible, different verses, their favorite sections. There was a lot of debate 
and there was a lot of tension because Jesus, take the Sabbath for example, they were very strict, the Pharisees. They had all these extra rules, human traditions, legalism. Jesus helped people on the Sabbath. They didn't like that. They were very strict. It was controversial. Jesus continued to serve and help people on the Sabbath. He said, you know, the Sabbath is to serve us, but we need to continue to love people during the Sabbath. That rocked their world. So they thought, all right, Jesus, let's give you this question. Let's see how wrong you are. Let's see how you answer this question. And Jesus responds, and in his response, in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If they dropped the mic back then, Jesus would just drop the mic right there. You know, they'd put him on the spot. They said, we don't want the whole podcast. We just want the show notes, Jesus. We don't want to read the whole book. Just tell us the cliff notes. Boil it all down. What's most important? And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy and then Leviticus. He takes the Ten Commandments, which they all agree on, and five, the first five, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And the second five, love your neighbor as yourself. He brings truth. He brings love. They've got no answer. And in fact, uh, Jesus is able to both answer their question and then he comes back and he's going to go on the offensive in a way. He's going to pursue hearts. He's going to pursue souls, just like he pursues your mind, your heart, your soul. He does it then. He does it now. And we find this out in the Gospel of Mark. Now, there's four books in the Bible out of the 66 that are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's great to read the same passages in different Gospels because you're going to get added information. And Mark adds a little bit of information for us in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 32. This is what happened after Jesus gave his answer. The Pharisee, this expert in the law, replied, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no one but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any questions. Jesus, uh, even though they wanted to kill him, the expert in the law said, Jesus, you nailed it. Spot on you're right. And Jesus notices that his soul and this man's heart are kind of opening and they're finding some alignment. And Jesus, you're not far from the kingdom. Jesus not only wants to answer their questions, but he wants to lead people into the kingdom. And I encourage you when people ask you about your faith, know what you believe and know why you believe, but then also ask questions, continue the conversation. And you know what? You're going to have opportunities then to share other things and even though someone might be attacking you, I came to know the Lord at Dartmouth College when a professor was attacking the Bible, but you know what? There's so much truth in what Jesus says, and the Bible is just full of truth, reliable truth, that God started to draw me. So you might start out as a skeptic, but God might draw you in. And Jesus will take the skeptics and draw them into the kingdom of God. And that's what's happening here. And they don't want to ask any more questions after that. Why? Because more and more people are following Jesus. People are leaving dead religion and they're following Jesus. They're dropping their misperceptions and misconceptions about who Jesus is. When you see who the real Jesus is, you'll see there's no one greater. There's no one more wise, no one more loving. You'll never experience love like you will with Jesus. 
And when he brings his love into your heart, there's just nothing like it. And now the religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, are getting concerned because they had all the control, they had all the power, they had all the false teaching. Jesus comes along, he's a threat, more people are following him, they're asking the most difficult questions, and more people are turning to Jesus, and they're like, maybe we should just stop asking questions. This is part of the context that leads up to the Good Samaritan, and this person says, I've got one more question. One more question, and that draws us to the story of the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, verse 29, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? What a question. He wanted to justify himself. In other words, Jesus, what's the minimum I have to do with loving my neighbors to be all right, to feel all right, to get the green light? You kind of wonder sometimes if you've ever taken a class or you're taking classes right now, what do I have to do to get an A? What do I have to do to get a B? How about a C? What about a C minus? Does a D minus pass? In, in what score exactly do I have to get with that? And his question, trying to justify himself because he wanted to stay in academics, he is now shifting to what does it look like to actually live this out? It's one thing to say you have faith. It's another thing to live it out. And he's saying, what's the minimum that I have to pass this class, to get a D minus? In other words, who is my neighbor? And that's a question for us today. Who is our neighbor? And how do we love our neighbors? And how much? And what does it look like during a time like this? You know, I noticed a sign this week that I drove by and it stood out to me because it's a phrase that I'm hearing all the time this week. And social distancing. Notice even on this board, they put space between social and distancing. So there would be no touch. There'd be no handshake, right? Maybe a distant elbow bump. Social distancing is what's encouraged. Now it's wise. Social distancing. We don't want to spread the virus. So social distancing makes sense. But be careful that you don't completely buy in and then go beyond what social distancing really is. This is what I'm trying to say. You might physically distance yourself from some people, and that's wise, but don't be relationally distancing. It doesn't mean emotional distancing. It doesn't mean lose all connection. It doesn't mean stop loving your neighbor. Social distancing is good, but let's act in wisdom and let's continue to love each other like Jesus says to love each other. And in fact, there might be some awesome things that happen at home. You know, if you have children, the children aren't in school right now, or maybe you've got some more flexibility. Life just got a little simpler. I know for us going through our schedule, it's like, okay, that's canceled, that's canceled, that's not on, that's canceled. What's still left? And sometimes it's good, especially in our fast-paced culture, when things get simpler, they get a little slower, and we settle in, and it might start right at home or the people right next to you where you live, your neighbors, that let's love each other. Let's build up these relationships. Maybe there'll be some healing emotionally, healing relationally, and extra time with the Lord, healing in your relationship with God. This could be a great time of healing during this change of pace. Who is our neighbor the Good Samaritan, that's the question. Who is my neighbor? And you know what? Jesus, he could just say, everyone. One word. He could just say, everyone's your neighbor. But he doesn't do that. He tells a story. And how often when someone asks you a question, could you tell a story? I think I got to work that into my parenting more. You know, why do we have to take out the trash? Kids, let me tell you a story. Uh, it's so much easier to just say, because I said so, or whatever answer, right? Jesus is always telling these stories, telling these parables. Here's the story. And maybe you've heard this story a lot. Listen with fresh ears. 
In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus is giving us a vision right here of how to love people. And it's because of who he is and what he does that he guides us. We're going to look at three expressions of love today. And the first one is empathy. Empathizers. Think about that. What does an empathizer do? An empathizer is someone who listens really well. That is a lost art. Everyone wants to talk. Everyone wants to post. Everyone wants to rant. Who's listening? Jesus was an incredible listener, and he would listen not just to the words, but the person's heart, their mind, their soul. Let's listen really well and then enter in, care for people. This is relationships. This is coming into someone's shoes, trying to understand who they are and what they're going through. No one does it better than Jesus. Let's listen. Let's empathize. Now, who didn't empathize here? We have a priest. Again, he's in Aaron's line. There's a lot in the law about caring for people when they're hurting, right? But what's the priest going to do? Walk by on the other side. Everyone hearing this story is thinking, here comes help. And no, the priest avoids. The priest avoids. Tragic. The other side. And then here comes the next one. And the next one is a Levite in the line of Levi. Now, they were kind of like the associate pastors back then. Or you could think of an intern. You say, well, here comes someone else on the church staff. They're going to they're gonna bring the love. What does the Levite do? Walks by on the other side. The same thing. What do these two have in common? They've got a lot of religion and not much love. What a tragic combination. A lot of religion and not much love. Have you ever been around people that have a lot of religion and not much love? It's toxic. It does damage. It brings deep scars. Uh, let's never fall into that trap. And then we have a Samaritan who enters the scene. Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentiles. They were considered a mixed breed. People looked down upon them, especially Jewish people. They were scorned and they were ostracized. And we think, well, what good is a Samaritan going to bring to this situation? If a Samaritan is going to help, Jesus is saying anyone can help. He took pity. He cared. He empathized. His heart was broken. And there is a second meaning here as Jesus teaches it, not just what's literally happening in the parable. In many ways, Jesus is the Samaritan. The religious leaders, they don't bring love. Jesus shows up, he's scorned, but he's the ultimate neighbor. And he's going to bring a love that they haven't seen before. They don't know how to process. Jesus is bringing a mirror to the religious leaders through the teaching of this parable. And Jesus' heart breaks for people. He loves people. And we see this in Luke chapter 19. Check out verses 40 and 41. And we see Jesus' heart weeping in this passage. Luke 19, verses 40 and 41. 
All right, doesn't appear to be coming up on the screen. Oh, here it is. Uh, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus wept over the city, the condition of the people. He wanted them to have peace. They didn't want him. They didn't want peace. He is their peace. They rejected him and he's crying. He's crying. Let me ask you, when's the last time you've been heartbroken? Heartbroken. Maybe you've seen someone addicted to drugs that you love. Maybe you've seen someone take their life. Maybe right now you're aware of some human trafficking. People who don't have enough money to get food right now. People who are starving. People who have no clean water. Heartbroken. You know, that's where God starts moving in our lives is when we open up our hearts, not to stay numb or indifferent or callous, but to see reality for really what's going on and then let our hearts break and to empathize and to enter in like Jesus so often enters in and uh, to have our hearts broken, we don't want it because part of us wants us to be safe and hold it all together and contained. God so often wants to break our hearts for the people in this world, for the needs in this world. And, and let me ask you before we move on to the next one, if you've neglected someone's need, uh, maybe you've walked right past them, you, you've disappointed, you've mistreated someone, I encourage you to apologize. If you're known as being very religious and there just hasn't been the love of Jesus, apologize. I was looking this week at a description that apologies aren't about being right and wrong. Apologies are about valuing people and valuing the relationship. That could be your next step today to apologize to someone and then a pivot, repentance, a reset, and let's walk with Jesus' love with empathy and then second, inviting. Empathizers and inviters. The Samaritan in this passage, he bandages wounds, oil and wine. That was how they took care of the wounds back then. Then he invited the man who was wounded to ride on his donkey and took him to the inn. All three taking care of someone who is beat up. I was at a store this week, and maybe you've noticed that things are getting cleared off the shelves. Food is going. There's long lines. And the checkout person, by the time I got up to pay for my stuff, the checkout person looked at me. No joke. These were their first words. I've lost faith in all of humanity. That was their words as I was just buying some food. I've lost faith in all of humanity. And what I was hearing is someone who was exhausted and stressed out. And I asked, I said, well, do you have any faith in God? Because I agree, sometimes people can let you down. And he said, no, I'm into facts, not faith. And I said, well, what if they're not mutually exclusive? What if faith is actually based on facts? It was going pretty deep for a grocery store. And he even said, you know, I don't know if we have time to unpack all this right now. Uh, I ended up paying for my groceries, but I came back later this week just to continue the conversation. And at that point, the mood he was in, he wanted to just talk a little bit about life and his story and where he was at, and we talked about that. And so people right now these days are stressed, they're exhausted, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's a great opportunity to invite. You know, as you consider the sound where we live overall, there's about a third of the people who have no association with faith whatsoever. 
We have estimated 10% of the people here are atheists. That's the highest of anywhere in the nation. And what I see sometimes is followers of Jesus don't know what to do. They don't know what love looks like and they get stuck or they get isolated, intimidated, silent. And so here's an acronym which is very simple, but it also uh, can be a tool to help us take the next step with love. And it's the acronym BLESS. When you think about the Bible, Genesis 12, God says, I'm going to bless you so you'll be a blessing to other people. And that acronym BLESS, begin with prayer. That's a little bit of a stretch for the B, but prayer starts with P and that doesn't work as well. Uh, Begin with prayer and then listen. Listen to people. You can ask questions. What's your religious background? Find out what are their pain points? What are they really going through in life? And then also, what are some of their dreams and hopes? Have some deep conversations. And then eat. We all enjoy that. And that's uh, to enjoy a meal together. Because over a meal, you really get to know people much better. Pay for their meal too. Don't expect them to pay. And leave a nice tip. And then serve. Find out what the needs are. Your neighbors. What are their needs? And then share. Share your story. And you can even share about Jesus. To bless people. That's what God calls us to do at times like this. Not to get too focused on ourselves, but together to look for opportunities to bless people. That's what the good Samaritan's doing. That's why the Samaritan is called good because he's a blessing. And this road from Jerusalem down to Jericho is over 17 miles. And about the first two miles and you get to Bethany. And then after that, it's pretty desolate. And on this road, there's a descending aspect of about three, over 3,000 feet. So it's a descending road. It's windy, it's steep, and there's thieves all around. Jerome called this the bloody way. This is a dangerous road. And during dangerous times, people need to step up and invite with love, pursue with love, just like the Samaritan does here. I want to draw the analogy of the coronavirus and the thieves who beat up the person in this parable. When I think about the coronavirus, it's really a thief. It wants to steal our freedom. Maybe you're feeling that. Some of your freedoms aren't there right now. Steal our time. Steal our thoughts. Steal our peace. It wants to steal our health. It wants to steal our money. And ultimately, it wants to steal our love as well. Many people uh, feel beat up during this time. And that's why I think it's so important to refresh, uh, recommit to Jesus, receive his love, and then recommit to love other people. Let's be courageous, not fearful during this time. Faith prevails over fear. Let's be generous instead of self-centered and self-serving or selfish in any ways. Let's break out of patterns that are so easy to fall into in traps. And instead, it's time to be creative. Who can you reach out to? Who can you bless? Who are the seniors, maybe, that you know right now that are physically vulnerable and what are their needs? Who can you pray for? What about kids that don't have school anymore? Kids that maybe can't even pay for a lunch that the school provided and now they don't have that lunch. What does it look like to be creative, to make some more phone calls, some more texts, to open up your heart during this time or maybe open up your home to someone that's not gonna spread the virus. Let's be creative and let's invite because why? Jesus is an inviter. We empathize because Jesus empathizes and we invite because Jesus is an inviter. Here's a passage this week I just keep coming back to. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, Come to me. He's an inviter. He's inviting you and I right now to come to him.
empathizer, inviter. And then also, let's consider this third expression of love, and that's a sacrificer. Uh, the next day, uh, what happens? The Good Samaritan's going to give more. Now, more money, more than a day's wage. Uh, could you imagine that? Just taking more than a day's wage and just giving it to someone who's hurting and in need, just spontaneously out of love? That's what this action is. And then reimburse for any other expenses, I'm going to cover those two. In other words, here's my credit card. I got anything else this man needs. And that action right there, it's probably out of a place of poverty. There's probably not a lot of money in the Good Samaritan's account or else he wouldn't have started with just two coins. If he had a lot of money, he could just put it all on the table. But instead, he gives what he has and he says, I'll cover the rest somehow. So it, generosity is about what's in your heart, not what's in your pocket. And he might not have a lot, but he's going to act out of love. And he's going to bring that because it's sacrificing and love sacrifices. I want to say it again, love sacrifices. It's a misnomer to think love's just some butterflies and some good feelings. No, love is in action and it sacrifices. That's what Jesus did. Jesus is practicing what he preaches in this parable. He's not just telling a nice parable so everyone will remember the Good Samaritan. He's trying to explain his love. He's teaching about his love. And ultimately, he'll demonstrate his love. Well, we're still sinners. He'll die for us. There's no greater love, no display of love that's greater than what Jesus did on the cross. And before we even realize it or receive it, he died in our place. He paid the price for our sins. He gave it all. He gave his life. And then he overcame death. And that's who we follow. That's who we imitate. That kind of love right there. How will people know you follow Jesus? It'll be through your love, not just your knowledge. Your knowledge should lead to your love. And that's the breakthrough Jesus was bringing. Uh, I've got a picture here. I want you to guess what this is. Uh, this happened this week, and this picture is not an easy picture to discern. This is interesting. You can put in the chat room right now, what do you think this is? And I'm going to give you a hint. It's two things. And some people said, was it a glass? Uh, actually, the one at the core there is a light. That's a hint. It's a light in our house. Now, what's the second piece that's colorful? What is going on there? It's kind of, uh, you can tell it's been singed. That second piece is a Nerf bullet. That's a Nerf bullet on a light, and there's a story. Uh, my wife was walking through our house this week, and this smell, this terrible smell, where is this coming from? And we have a high ceiling, and this was way above our heads. There's a Nerf bullet that was sitting on the light, and during the course of many days, the temperature reached a point where the Nerf bullet singed, and the smell was everywhere. This is when it happened. We invited another family to come over and have a Nerf gun battle. And these bullets were flying everywhere. And we didn't even realize one of the bullets had landed up on the light. So what happened? A bullet was lost. And you know what happens during some of these Nerf battles? Guns break. In other words, there's a sacrifice. And you might be thinking, that's so small. I mean, bullets, Nerf guns, that's a small sacrifice. I want to tell you, if you're a kid who collects Nerf guns and has a favorite way to play, that's a big sacrifice to lose a couple guns and a couple bullets. Uh, the point is this. Uh, it is good uh, to give. And sometimes when we're really loving people, inviting people over to our homes, something might break. Uh, when we're really caring for people, it might demand a second mile when we thought we'd only go one. But this is part of loving people. It gets messy. There's some sacrifice involved. And for the Good Samaritan, he doesn't just stop and say, ah, that's enough. I'm out. 
later, peace. No, he's going to go that second mile and continue to love, and it's going to include sacrifice. When God leads you to love in a way that goes beyond what you thought you would sacrifice, just keep saying yes, trust in Jesus, abide, keep receiving his love, so you'll have more love to give. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, reminds us who we imitate. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love sacrifices and that sacrifices honor Jesus and they honor the Father and the Holy Spirit will lead us in that way. I'm convinced where there's love, there's sacrifice and where there's a greater sacrifice, there's more transformed lives. There's more healing. Where there's love, there's sacrifice. When people are willing to sacrifice, there's transformed lives and there's healing. You see it throughout the Bible and you see it today. That's the way, the way of Jesus. Let's close this with how Jesus closes it. Look at verse 36. Which of these three, again, we have the priest, the Levite, and the Good Samaritan. Which of these three, this is the obvious question. This is the softball. uh, Do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Won't even say the Samaritan, right? So much bitterness towards Samaritans. Jesus did it again that he's just going to say the one who had mercy. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Notice Jesus was asked a question. Now he's going to conclude with a question. He's going to ask the question, who's the real neighbor? Who brings the real love? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want your legacy to be? Jesus is going to ask a powerful question. I encourage you to ask powerful questions. Someone in our church came up to someone that they work with and just said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? And that's a powerful question. Uh, There's a lot of powerful questions that when you ask them, things are going to open up. Things are going to connect. God's going to move. And it opens the door for truth, for love. Jesus will do this again and again. And for us who read this story, now, you know, 2,000 years later, what is Jesus doing? He's mobilizing us. He's transforming us that we would have an increased desire to be an empathizer, an inviter, and someone who sacrifices. A sacrificer, as preachers like to line up the suffix. But uh, Jesus is saying, now you have my vision. All right, now you see people like I see people. Now your heart breaks for people like my heart breaks. Now you weep over the city like I weep over the city. Now you'll sacrifice like I sacrifice. He's giving us his heart and his vision and his love. Receive the love of Jesus and you will have the love of Jesus to give away. We're on mission together. I'm convinced this is an incredible opportunity. I know there's danger. I know we've got to make some shifts. I know we have to pivot. I know ministry looks different now. We're not slowing down anyway. The opportunity is incredible right now. But there's a pivot. There's change. We need to abide. We need to listen to God. But I'm convinced it's a time to bring authentic love like we've never brought it before. And if you've been stuck, this is a time to go to Jesus, reread this passage today, talk about it with friends uh, as well, process it. Because there's one word that Jesus drops at the end that's the tension point. He says, now go and do likewise. That word do. That word right there. You know why? Because the expert of the law, what does he like to do? Teach, study, knowledge, academics, look religious, have the right answers. He is not in to really loving people. 
And what does Jesus take him to? That place that all that knowledge should be only increasing the love. And Jesus is saying, this isn't about the right answer. This is about how you love people. Actual love. Love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And when you do, love your neighbor as yourself with the love of Jesus. As we uh, get ready to pray right now, usually at this time in the service, I invite the prayer team up and people bring prayer requests in your chat room right now. You can just put any prayer requests. This is a time where we often make decisions. If you want to get baptized, just put baptism. If you want to follow Jesus for the first time, just in the chat room, put start to follow Jesus. We'll follow up with you. We'll give you more information. And uh, let's pray together. God, thank you that your love is different than our love. Jesus, thank you for your grace in our lives. Jesus, we often walk by on the other side. We leave our heart on the other side. We pray today our hearts would break, our eyes would be open, we would love people with your love, we would invite, we would sacrifice, we would enter in, and Jesus, for your glory. We hear what you're teaching, we want to go do it together. Show us what that looks like at a time like this, and we praise you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.